0: Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me here on today's bonus episode. This is Britt and I am so excited for you to listen to today's episode. I have the privilege of spending some time with my friend Crystal McNeely and we're gonna talk about uh, systematic racism and questions white people want to ask and how to keep the momentum going um, so that justice and equality really does take root in our country. I believe that you will find today's episode helpful, and it will give you perspective. So thanks for hanging out. Come on in. (laughs) You probably got that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, guys, this is (laughs) Britt. I I am here with my uh, dear friend, Crystal, who I'm so thankful for you. Answering Uh. all of my hard questions, my embarrassing questions, my ugly questions
1: okay you gotta have one person that you can go and be real raw with right
0: right and you know I just feel like through all of this from day one you've been so helpful um just holding space so I just want to say thank you and just honor you publicly for um, for okay this is gonna sound weird but this is the nature of the podcast for being black and holding the space for white people to learn and understand because we are like I know we talked about it, like racial reconciliation books are going for 60 bucks on Amazon. So we got to wrote one. <laughs> we're, we're doing some, right? Yeah. Um, yes. And so, yeah, I would love, just tell people a little bit who you are and like, I don't know, some kind of fun.
1: Okay. Uh, let's see. I'll do a fun fact at the end. I love doing those in my like, you know, circles. So my name is Crystal McNeely. I am from Waukegan, Illinois. Um, I am actually 33 years old in a couple weeks. I have a background in education. I have a background in social services as well as law. So I got my law degree back in 2016. I did a combination of uh, business and law. Was supposed to finish the MBA part, but I got like four more classes. But pray for me. Um, so right now, I've traveled. Uh, I did a program, nonprofit program for a few years. Uh, Traveling the globe and teaching students of color and from disenfranchised backgrounds what it meant to prepare and to be a person of color in the legal field. So I worked with um, federal court judges, major corporations across I think it was 10 states. So I would travel throughout the year teaching, staying every place for like a week or two. Um, so that was an awesome experience, so it really opened my eyes, and I worked at a firm downtown Chicago for a little bit, did some diversity work there, and now I am on my own, praise hi, high name, uh, I am the owner and the founder of Zoe Life Academy, so we have a, a mission to provide <clears throat> equal opportunity and quality education for every child, despite their color. So I came back home from where I grew up and working on some big projects here, uh, I mentor, do some speaking, do all kind of fun stuff, so. That's it. Oh, fun fact. Fun fact. Fun fact. Uh, I was in a T-Mobile commercial. I don't even think Britt knows this. Shut up. I, no. <laughs> I say I in a T-Mobile commercial, I, I want to say it was 2015. I like, got to see this. I'll send you the link. It was a what Christmas was your commercial. line? What was your line? No, I was singing. So I was singing in a group in Chicago at that time. And okay. we all auditioned for a Christmas commercial they did uh, at Woodfield Mall. And it was like a flash mob. So our group and we auditioned and we sang. It was fun.
0: Shut up. I feel That's like, like a few
1: days of my life. That was amazing.
0: Was wow. Fun. I didn't know that. I know. That's fun fact. fact. Wow. That yeah. is a fun fact. That's so true. Oh, okay. I so that. I think we're going to start with the basic, most basic question. And it was one of the questions that I asked you right out of the gate because this is the question white people aren't asking. Okay. All right. In a conversation, do we refer to people as Black, African-American, or colored? And I know that sounds dumb, but <laughs> I, we got to, like, help us white people understand what is the right one to use, when to use them, how to use them.
1: Okay. So this is my experience um, and experiences from what I've seen. You don't want to say colored, okay, because... <laughs> I'm just going to start there. Don't say that. Um, that start, it, it actually has such a negative connotation. So you want to think about where it began, where its roots are. Um, in history, you know, that is more of a slave term and when there was a lot more segregation and things like that. So that kind of would trigger pain, right? Um, it's kind of like the N-word being yep. said by white people. And I know there's a lot of debate. You know, Black people say it, so why we can't say it, but you have to look at the history behind the word. And you want to look at the weight that a word carries. It's just like a you call a child stupid. You know, it's not necessarily a curse word, but look think about that connotation. Think about the impact, right? Oh, uh, what are you triggering for that person you say a word? So color just say, just say throw that off the table. Um, so African American is uh, more let's see, a more progressive term, right? Mm -hmm. But what happens in the African-American community, you have a lot of different sets of uh, different races. So one of my closest friends from law school, she's uh, Nigerian. Right, so she may not say African American. So you have that kind of thing um, going on. Black, I think, is more acceptable these days, right. but you want to be careful about the motivation behind when you're uh, talking about. I was talking to a, um and I guess I can ask you guys: Caucasian versus white. Yeah. I was talking to a white guy, uh, a of the early, uh, older uh, older gentleman earlier this week, and he was throwing her around like black, and she's black, and I was like, oh, that doesn't sound that sweet, you know. Okay. I'm like, you know, he, he was saying it, he was talking more angrily. So you yeah. might want to, he might want to use the African-American. But yeah. it's all about knowing where you're at, knowing your circle. Mm-hmm. Um, And I change up terms depending on my audience. So like with you, I know I can say white because right. I, there's no beef between us. Right. With um, someone else, I might say Caucasian or majority.
0: Yeah, that's good. I think I'll speak for white people. I If someone calls me Caucasian, I'm just like, it's not what I, I forget that's what I am I know that's <laughs> what I am it's, It sounds so dumb I'm like, I think, like, I think I'm called and I'm pretty sure Yeah, that sounds right So, yeah, I think at least for me I'm just I'm just white I don't, It's really nothing I can do much. And you know, and I'm one of
1: those realists I'm like, okay, we all know at the end of the day When we go home and we with our people We're gonna call you white And y'all but, gonna call me black You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, it's like, but it's yeah. all about the spirit And the motivation behind it when you're Yeah, saying.
0: well, and I think that's so good Okay, so um, here's just a thought, and I i think last night I was watching the news and they're covering all these protests, okay? And it's all white people, for the most part. It's a lot of white people, which at first I'm like, where's our black community? But then I was like, wait a second, this is what we want. We want white people stepping forward. And so can you kind of walk me through, you know, how you see it? Um, with so many people, so many white people stepping up, because I think as a white person, I'll go to, um, for instance, we were together last night at that peace gathering. And all I could think about was like, man, there's a lot of white people here. And and I think that's a good thing. But it's really hard for me to get my brain to start changing the fact that it's good that white people are standing up for Black Lives Matter. Does that make sense? It does.
1: It does. And I'm going to use this analogy. So I was actually meditating on that last night and uh, thinking about my own story and the representation in the circles and places I've been throughout my life. And the biggest thing I think I came away with, representation is so vital everywhere. Mm -hmm. So when I go places and I'm speaking to students in um, African American communities, or black communities and brown communities, uh, it's important that they see representation in the law that is a black person. Because I'm a firm believer that people don't strive for what they can't see. So if you can't visualize it, it won't become a reality, right? So people need to be in to see examples of white people and black people together. Mm-hmm. So I think it's powerful that the white community is coming in to join the black and brown community to protest against you know, these injustices and you know pursue uh, non-racism, and anti-racism. Now the caveat is that everyone's motives aren't pure. Right. Right? And the problem with racism is and inequality. It's hard to prove. So, you know, I'm an attorney. There's hard. It's hard to find uh, facts and evidence against someone's internal beliefs and biases. Right. So sometimes I'm looking at some of these protests and, you know, we've seen white people causing destruction and riots. And what it's doing is doing like the ripple effect. Yep. So if they go out there and they know they can get away with it and they're throwing breaks, tearing up stuff, we're already really in trauma. Yeah. So we're like, yeah, you know, so it's follow the leader. And when yep. you're in those moments, you know, reasoning and stuff is not there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm for the movement of black brown and white coming together because it is necessary. It's not yeah. going to take one race. Um, I am leery with some things only because you have to discern the motives behind everyone mm-hmm. there, you know, yep. because... Everyone isn't for yeah. the movement. They're just there for photo ops. I've seen videos of girls, um, uh, white people getting out of cars, standing by a spray paint BLM and taking a picture, jumping back in their car and leaving. Right. You know, because right now it's becoming popular yep. to, you know, say Black Lives Matter. Right. But they're really, and they, I think what the problem is, my God, people don't feel it when you can't you can't heal what you can't feel right Right. and there is it's a fear we have like i literally i can't go certain places right now without like thinking twice i've done it already but where i live it's not many people that got their hair like this so i have to be careful because everybody will be nice to me and my problem is sometimes that there's people that come from you know a different background that looks like it may not be as accepting. Yeah. Um, So I'm all for the movement. I think it's necessary. Last night was amazing. It was really good to see. And uh, I love it.
0: Yeah, so cool. And um, here's another question that I know you kind of helped walk me through. Actually, I have two questions. Let's go. (laughs) I want to talk about the looting first. I know it sounds crazy. But you really helped me understand this. Um, Because at first, I think and I know it's calmed down a little bit since but I know there's still white people really like in this tense spot of Well, they don't have rights to destroy my prop kind of thing. I'm just being honest. And so you had kind of taught me that there are white people in protests that were designed to be peaceful, that are starting violent acts and people are following suit. This did not occur to me until you taught me Um, because I'm and I think that that is probably a lot of America's first reaction is like, I'm just going to say like, oh, come on, black people like. That's how you're going to respond. But then I had to look at, come on, white people. That's how you're going to respond. And this is like, we don't like to admit as a human race that it could be on us. Mm -hmm. You know, like I guarantee white people watching the looting never thought to question, did white people start that? You know, we assume it's somebody else. And so Mm -hmm. can you just walk me, I don't even know how you walked me through this, but I know you have wisdom behind this and It really, like, got me to understand it better because I didn't, I just didn't know. Um, So, yeah, thoughts on it.
1: Yeah, so here's my thoughts, and um, my pastor spoke about it last night, too, that I don't condemn the looting, I I don't condone the looting. Um, Breaking the law, you know, rioting, and I think what the true discussion needs to be is um proper definition of everything Mm -hmm. protesters are okay yeah like that's protesting and looting two different parties right protesting looting rioting three different parties right Mm -hmm. so what's happening is in the white community and uh it's funny that you say that my news feed is so diverse so i'm reading it all What's happening? They're looping it all together, right? And and it doesn't help that our president is saying different terms. That's also he's saying like you know lock them like lock up the the protesters. Right. They're, that that's that's actually unconstitutional, right? <laughs> so I think there needs to be. A more intellectual discussion mm-hmm. about what these terms actually mean. If we're yeah. taking it by face and not actually processing and thinking, yeah, they're going to say all oh, these black people are doing there now. They're stealing because they're mad. Right. No, it's right. two different. It's three different parties. You mm-hmm. have rioters, you have um, the protesters, and you have the looting. Yeah. Now, as far as you know, the looting, it is. It's a problem. It's a problem. But this is what I say if someone's response is you know it's sad that george floyd and all these people die but you shouldn't be looting that's what we call gaslighting yeah, that's yeah. that's you're valuing Uh, things that can be replaced over human lives. And this is our reality. People are now becoming licensed to kill, right? You know, you have the president behind you, they're not getting locked up. So that's when I hear statements like that, I'm like, okay, I know where you stand. And I keep my distance. Like, I understand this is horrible, but no, no, no. The the true statement should be, you know what? It's really sad that these properties are being destroyed and they're stealing things. But human lives are greater, you know, black lives matter, you know what I'm saying? So it's all about changing the narrative and switching
0: perspective. Yeah. And like so much, you know, um, I found myself in a lot of prayer. Um, I live in a city that is very high crime rate and nothing happened here. It does like it. And I know there was so much like intercessory prayer, but like people from the outside, just to be honest, uh, that are involved with the mission work in this city, were like, I'm so proud of the community. And even as a white person, I'm like, Mm -hmm. how do you be proud of something that you haven't helped mend? Um, And I know that sounds like a really authentic, but I hope that whoever is listening to this, I hope you know that like, I'm saying this because I want you to get involved. I'm not saying it because I'm mad. I'm saying like, be a part of the solution before it's a problem. Um, But with that being said, you know, I found myself in prayer. Like, and even if something goes down, how cool that our community will have the opportunity to come together and clean it up. Because we will. And I read a quote, I got to pull my phone out because I'll mess it up. It's from Jenny Allen. Um, and she tried to just put looting in perspective. And it was like, maybe the most powerful thing and helpful thing I read. Um, I should have pulled this up. Oh, it says your friend whispers, Hey, I don't feel safe. You ignore him. So he speaks louder. Hey, people I know and love are getting hurt, even killed. It feels like they might come for me next. Can you please help? No reply. My kid was killed and you don't care. Your friend starts banging pots and pans and screaming, please do something, help. And we respond, wow, buddy, calm down. You know, it's wrong to yell like that. And that is exactly Exactly. what we have done is, is we've ignored it for so long. And now, and I know you work with kids, Mm -hmm. you know, so I know you get it. If a kid acts out, it's not because they want to, it's because they're scared. They're fearful. They're hurting. Like something's wrong. And, and we forget that as adults.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I
0: think part
1: of the white privilege discussion is that a lot of white people and people that it doesn't impact. We could just say privilege, period, um, because I can join that statement like, oh, it's happening in the inner city. I don't live out there, so I'm fine. But I choose. I have a greater responsibility. But it's an understanding that you have the luxury of turning your head. Yeah, that's not me. But it's recognizing that luxury and choosing not to turn your head and to look at it you know, that is one of the, uh, the crux of privilege, right? Like I can say, it, that's why I always, I've been saying a lot, it's not enough not to be a racist. Right. Like a lot of these white people, I don't believe are racist, but now the issue is you're an, you're not anti-racism, yeah. right? Because that, that says, you know what, even though this doesn't impact me, I'm choosing to speak up against the injustice. Right. And do-
0: can you walk us through that a little bit more? Because so from where you sit, Watching your friends, because I know you have such a diverse timeline. What, for you, separates a friend that is not racist and a friend that is anti-racist? Good question. (laughs) I I just want to, I'm like, we got to talk about this.
1: I have to be careful.
0: Um... Or just people. We'll take friends out of it. Just people in general. How? Do you yeah, yeah. No, it, it's
1: okay. No, I'm, I'm totally here for it. I'm just, you know, tasting my words before I eat them. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a hard place to be in. Yeah. It's, it's like living in a bubble, and our realities are being popped, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think that one of the greatest traumas for me these last few weeks have been, or last, it feels like a few weeks, I think it's only been one week, right? Um, having to sit in reality that people who smile at me really don't like me, right? And I was talking to my mom about it and I was like, man, you know, you know we live in this privileged community and we're going around and, this stuff starts to happen, but you see silence of people you interact with constantly. Yeah. And it's like, okay, did you really, you know, they say, I don't see color. But if you don't see color, you don't see me. Right. right?
0: Because
1: if you, the problem with not seeing color is you can't see patterns. You can't see injustice. Right. And that means you're ignoring it. So people who say, I don't see color now, I'm like, mm, you know, you don't get it either. Right. So. Wow. We talked about the Martin Luther King quote that we won't remember the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. And for me, that really hit when this all started, began, you know, I, I knew people hated me because of color of skin, like of my skin. I went to law school. I, went to P- I had teachers say some deplorable things. I ran for an election at my law school and, uh, there were emails going around saying, don't, vote for the black trash and like I've lived it. Even though you know black people may consider me part of the privilege and I recognize my privilege. Um I've actually lived racism and systematically, right? I haven't been pulled from a car or a gun or anything like that, but it's still valid, right? Right. So when I see people who, you know, oh hi Crystal, you know, hey, we, lo- we love Crystal. I get that a lot. Oh, we just right. love Crystal and for me it's hard because do you love crystal just because she's not threatening do you love crystal because she doesn't talk about race relations do you love and if half the people who truly knew me would probably know probably be surprised at how actually militant i am yeah you know i i i choose to speak (laughs) on things when i understand that the audience is ready and primed and Mm -hmm. receptive um otherwise i'd be quiet because i'm like i'm not gonna waste my energy right um but you know as i begin to speak out i i wonder I wonder like, okay, yeah. are we really rocking no more? You know, right. are you, am I now threatening black girl? You know, because right. I'm standing with my people or am I not, you know, like, oh, Chris Booker, because I know how to code switch, right? I know how to right. change my voice up. Yeah. I know how to do Wait, tell people what
0: code switch is because I did not know. So <laughs> tell white people what code switch is. All
1: right. So code switching <laughs> is if I am met with a group of people who look like me or brown I'm like, yo fam, what's good? Hey, you know, I'm able, I have the freedom to use the vernacular. I have the freedom uh, to speak freely, you right, know, and right. to not have to think about grammar and all that kind of stuff. But if I'm with white people, I know how to code switch. I'm like, hey, how are you? It's good to see you. Hey, <laughs> Brett? Oh my gosh, are you enjoying this weather? This is amazing, you know? And I do it well, like <laughs> I do it pretty darn good. Um, but I've perfected it over the years. I have a t-shirt coming all my life I've had to code switch and yeah. <laughs> it's real. It's a real thing.
0: Well, and you know, okay. So we just talked about this earlier this week and I have to like have an honest moment. <clears throat> my closest black friends code switch around me. And it made me start to wonder, do I know them? Mm. And that is like, oof, like that, that makes my heart hurt but also makes me very aware and it could be that we just jive on the same wavelength. You know what I mean? That Mm -hmm. our personalities are similar, but there's also this thought of, are they having to code switch around me and does that make them feel uncomfortable? And what does it look like? And so I just want to thank you for like giving light into that because again, I wouldn't have known, you know what I mean? And so it's so powerful. Um, just to pause and say, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So thank you for that.
1: No, it's it's, it's a real thing. It, it's a, But I have a question for you. Do you yeah. feel like when you're with white people and when you're with black, because I know you have a diverse group of people you live, you know, you right. interact with. do you act differently in the white community than you do in the
0: black community? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> on. My computer's dying. How did I not think to grab my charger? Five seconds. I'm coming back. Hold the question. I'm-
1: okay. Oh, man. <laughs>
0: that out i'm here i'm here for it i'm um, here for it okay yes how did i forget to grab a charger come on b we're smarter than this all, all right, right i'm back all right we're good and i'm not going to edit that out so if you're listening to this on the podcast hey. Okay. okay so yes absolutely and you know okay i know i have to say this out loud um i actually feel more myself in the black community Mm-hmm. And I, I know that sounds weird. I'm not saying I'm not. Yeah.
1: No self-hatred. Right.
0: Right. I'm not saying like, I don't find white people. I'm saying like, when I am with a group of black people, I actually feel more myself mm-hmm. than when I'm with a group of white people. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that is. Um, And it could be where I grew up. I grew up in a very diverse. And so, but the answer is yes. Like a hundred percent. 10% <black. laughs> I do it all the time yeah. it's not even like oh sometimes she acts it's like like if i come up to a group by me, i'm like hey yeah. you know I'm <laughs> so lame it's fine no. it's and when a- i first
1: met you i'm, I'm gonna be completely transparent yeah. we uh first when i first saw you i didn't know you yet <laughs> um and you were dancing it was we were at the gym and yeah. Uh, yeah. you were dancing like a black girl i was like what is she doing you know and yeah. i had i literally i was like you <laughs> doing that only because i'm here for, my,
0: for my, my father's business girls that's say, "This B, you cannot dance." <laughs> yes, I can Yeah, you can dance.
1: You can dance. <laughs> um, and, you know, as an avid lover of the dance, um, I was like, "Yeah, this is a jam and everything." But why you?
0: That? I thought that you
1: were dancing like that because when I come look at all those people where we work out, you know, they don't dance like we do. No. Right? So I'm like, is she doing this only because I'm here and she no. trying to like show that she woke? You know, so I was like. And it took me a couple, and then you, you said something to me when we were running one day, and I thought, oh, okay, she cool, she cool. No, like, can we
0: tell know. him what I said? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay, <laughs> so for anybody that doesn't know me, because this is how we met. Outside of me dancing in the gym, and her being like, who is she? So we're running, it's the last round, and I don't know her, I like, I really don't know her. I actually thought you were a lot younger, and I thought you played basketball. How, you how, serious? how stereotypical is that of a white person? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, Oh, she's oh, sports. What? Like, no, she owned the daycare, Brit. Yeah. Um. Anyways, and so last lap around, Crystal starts walking. Who walks in the last round, you know. So I run past her. I'm like, girl, if you were gonna walk, you should have done that twenty minutes ago.
1: Like, and I thought she was. I'm like, who is she? Think she talking to? I'm like, wait a minute. I'm grabbing hair, Hold up. <laughs> can't wait a like minute.
0: Hold up. speed past that. Like you would say, that's that TikTok. Um, right. But yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. It's just, yeah. it. it's so true though. And we, we, I think even white people code switch, but I wouldn't have known that, you know, mm-hmm. until you kind of really like put that in perspective for me. And I think that's what, you know, so much of this is, is like white people are finally asking hard questions that we should have been asking a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I was thinking about this while I was praying the other day. Um, I was in our city praying and I'm like, I should have been here a long time ago. Like, and I keep wondering, like, this is what I keep thinking about today is like, obviously George Floyd was a believer and like, is he in heaven right now with Jesus? Like, and like, I just picture this moment where him and Jesus are hanging on. He's like, Hey George, I know that was painful, but I want you to look at what your life has begun. And he's seeing all of this. And, and there's that video that came out of his daughter. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Um, his daughter was at a protest last night and she just yout, shouts out, My dad changed the world. Wow. wow. And I'm not even chill bump saying that. Like such a painful, such a painful death, such a unjustified death, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yet so much beauty can come and so much healing is happening because this happened. And like, and I don't like to put, you know, a human life in that perspective, but I just keep wondering, like what do the heavens look like right now?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's That's powerful. Uh, My family and I were talking about it and I was telling them, I said, I honestly believe there was something uh, powerful on his life, a call Mm -hmm. of God on his life, because the earth is literally crying out. So what we're seeing is a cry, an upheaval, like, God, we can't take anymore. And the sad thing is he's not the first one. There's so many people, even like Rodney King, that stuff was only like 30 years ago, right? right? So my entire lifetime, I'll be 33, your entire lifetime yeah. has been watching people, of uh, white people kill people, men of color, mm-hmm. and getting away with it. There has been such a pattern of this thing going on for so long. And I really just believe that now it's like time that people begin to feel uh, recognize that we all play a part. Yeah. And what's, it's not going to just end with the protesting and things like that. We have to have systematic change at yeah. this point. Otherwise... Um, We're just gonna have to do this again in what ten years? Right.
0: Like, let's months.
1: Lord Jesus, no time for it. But But
0: also, like, as I like keep going, like, okay, but we can't take our foot off the gas pedal. Yeah, that's my my biggest. I don't want to say my fear, but that's like my biggest awareness is when the protests end in two weeks. When things calm down, will this this passion and this fire and this willingness to stand on the line, will it still happen? And I think as white people, we've got to get really comfortable. You told me this, like, you got to get really comfortable being uncomfortable.
1: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well,
1: like we were talking about, learning is offensive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be a doctor uh, growing up. I just knew I was going to be a pediatrician, but math offended me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, you know, be faced with <laughs> equations and these numbers and letters that could add up stuff. Yeah. Out of that letter. We do have a quantity, right? Um, but it was offensive. Yeah and when we're met with something that we don't understand, it offends our mind before it can actually teach and make an impact. Mm-hmm. So it's literally people becoming okay with that offense, knowing that it's not a personal attack, but the personal attack that comes when people are continually advocating and pushing against you and you're standing staunchly in your belief, right. then that's yeah. when we're like, you know what, you're one right. You know, you know, it's like that. And my pastor was talking last night something so profound. He was talking about justice versus accountability and that there needs to be a discussion of What does justice look like? I think a lot of people are just saying justice, justice, justice. That just means jail time. But really justice is not just jail time. Mm -hmm. Justice is a systematic accountability, looking at things on each level. Like what are we going to do to cause this not to happen again? There needs to be real reform, right? There needs to be white people willing to hire men of color who are equally qualified. Um, There needs to be discussions in classrooms, discussions at dinner tables with white families that are, you know, saying, you know, there needs to be challenges in everyday circles because once you change your world, the whole world can change. It's very yeah. small. It starts with small stuff. Everybody is a part of it.
0: Yeah. But I, and I love what you say about, like, the offensive, you know. Um, and we talked a lot about this the other day. Because there's, like, this. It's almost like this shock effect, you know. Yeah. And we've heard the word white supremacy a lot lately. White America. White privilege. All of those things. And I think the first time you hear that, you're like, no, that's not me. You're offended, right? You're like, I'm not I racist. Am not a white supremacist. Mm-hmm. I am not a, I am not a part of that I am not racist mm-hmm. that's not the point <clears throat> no. and we'll talk about this. it's not it's not necessarily about my heart it's about my heritage and I come from a different place of it because I do realize that there are some people this is about their heart and that's okay but for for me um personally this isn't necessarily about my heart this is about my heritage and this is about me getting really comfortable at gripping the handlebar and being okay being the first shock for people okay. um okay. And I know that is, like, such a – I've witnessed it this week, you know, and I've even wondered, like, what do my white friends think? Um, And there's a couple things I've done have gone viral, and it's, like, I just keep, like – I feel like for me, I'm, like, I hope my black friends know that that the posting isn't for them, that I'm for them. Right. Know that. Like, I'll ask the hard questions and stand on the line, but I would love just to kind of walk through – for you um how did it feel last week when white people started stepping up because i know your timeline is so different you've got, got you got friends from all different areas and different things and um again you just helped me walk through so much of this it's not the words of our enemies but the silence of our friends and how i, I know you can't speak for the whole black community but what are just some raw feelings that you guys are feeling as you're watching this unfold
1: uh that we're after
0: we're watching people
1: stand with us yeah
0: yeah i think it's a beautiful thing i think
1: that there there's a couple different um positions that i've seen being taken i've seen people um I have
0: to taste my words Taste your words. this is a part of the burden but
1: being african-american though we yeah. represent like when people watch this right they're mm-hmm. going to associate me with yeah. every black person they meet that's like the whole angry black woman thing like i can't be an angry black woman
0: right yeah and like, while you think about it you know it's like it's so true what we talked about we can't be casual either of us we both have like a pretty large platform that we serve on and so it's like our words cannot be casual um everything has to be followed up with like this is my heart, <laughs> right?
1: But I love everybody. You know what I'm saying? So like, but I love you,
0: fam. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, now I, now go. Right. Um,
1: I've seen a multiple, I've seen a plethora of responses. I've seen people who have been like, you know, thank you guys. Thank you for standing. We need you. Yeah. Um, I've seen comments that thank you, but this is what you should have been doing. You know, mm-hmm. I've yeah. seen comments saying, we appreciate your post, but don't expect applause. Um, I've seen comments and uh, emotions saying, you know, I've even seen, like, we're tired of seeing Black people and police officers take pictures. Like, um, they're, like, you know, associated with perpetual uh, cycles of violence and mistreatment. Um, I've seen the gamut. I have definitely seen the gamut. And for me, I choose, I have to check my own. Um, heart because I'm like guys come on because in my community I would be considered the more MLK but what I've been seeing people use it and make MLK is to kind of calm us down like come on MLK wouldn't want you to do that but and then the response is well y'all kill MLK you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying so um there's a mixture so for me I've had to choose to stand in who I am Mm -hmm. and be consistent with who I am and um Sometimes I see some of my more radical friends or even my family members and I'm dang, I wish I could be like that. But God didn't, you know, he didn't grace me that way. So I have to go with where my grace is. Um, But the responses are definitely diverse um for me i would say it's appreciated but for me i'm always very cautious
0: yep. because
1: it's very popular right now to stand with black lives right. but my okay. question will come in um in a couple months and you have interviews with black people and white candidates mm-hmm. And i worked for a very large university in chicago and um they would put me on the panels all the time because i was the black girl and I remember shocking them. <laughs> I was like, "Are oh, we going? Are we just going to pick the white person here? Like, are you happy? here? just, you know." And they were looking at me, and I used to. Oh, I used to love shocking them people. Um, but that it's going to be the boots on the ground that makes right. it bad. Appreciate your post. Appreciate your prayers. Yeah. Appreciate your black, you know, your black squares and everything. But what you going to do when you get to
0: work? But what are you going to keep doing? What are you okay. going to keep doing? This is, I think, this is more of a question for leaders. Um, that it just kind of dawned on my mind when you said you were invited onto panels. Um, so I know as leaders, we're like not even feeling pressure. It's not coming from anywhere, but there's this like this ask of like wanting to invite like black people into videos, wanting to invite them into different segments and different things. Um, is that offensive right now? No, I think it's necessary. Okay, I think I think there needs to be
1: difficult conversations to be had. And I will hope we can have these conversations ongoing because there are people who are afraid to have the conversations. Right. And there are people who are thinking some of the things you're thinking, thinking some of the things they're thinking, and they need to just all come in the same room and think together. Right. But there's no um, facilitation of that. Mm -hmm. So I think that we know which ones are going to be called on. Like it's like an unspoken thing. Like, oh, they're going to call her. Like they're gonna call her. They're gonna oh, they're definitely gonna call her. Exactly. And then we know the ones that are not gonna be called on yeah. because they're you know white people are afraid of what they're gonna say or what they're gonna do or what they're gonna represent or how they're gonna challenge, right? Right. Um I always say we need everybody. We need the radical black people, we need the calmer black people, we need everybody in the between all we need everybody. So I'm for it. I think that people know who they're gonna call on. <laughs> but as we have a heavy responsibility, because this even I was praying about this, I'm like, God, Lord Jesus. I'm like, I'm going to get up over here. My people go see Like, what they going to think. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's hard to stand up and say something out loud. I get it. I, and I'm black. You know? Right. So I could, you know? White people, I know y'all scared. I oh my God. Like, like, uh-oh, I'm going to lose my members. Uh-oh, I'm going to lose my support. My business is filled with white folk. You know what I'm saying? So like, here comes my vernacular. I get it. Right. I get It's it scary. I get it. We all scared. Right. My thing to that would be imagine living that every day. I know. Yeah. Imagine. Yes. I have cousins and I have brothers and I have a father that's black. I have nephews and Mm -hmm. clients that are black boys. And if I ever got a call that this happened to them, man, I don't even want to think about it. But I don't. I would be like the ones you know, looting. Right. I would loot too. If this is what you're going to pay attention to, I'll loot. Yeah. You
0: know what I'm saying?
1: Like, if that's what it took, by any means necessary, right? Yeah. Like, we, until it hits your front door, you don't know what you'll do. Right. So you can't judge. You can not
0: judge. judge. You can't yeah, judge. Yeah, and we haven't felt that pain. And so it's like, uh, yeah. I just The world would stop if that was a black man who did that to a white man. Yeah, Yes, really. yes would it would stop. And you know, I think one of the more powerful signs I've seen um, that went viral was this young boy that was holding up a sign that said, "When do I go from cute to scary?" My God, I saw that last night, and I was like, and um, and so I work in ministry with a lot of young black men, uh, and I'm like, when when is that? You know, because some of them like I do presume them as scary. I hate to admit that as a white person, like. But there are things in me that I'm like, I'm a little hesitant, you know? Mm-hmm. And But what is that? It was a very reflective moment for me. What what makes it that my kids that are, you know, 10, that I'm like, oh, they're so cute. Like, I love them. I'm for them. And then my kids that are 18, that I'm like, we need another person in the car. That is racism. And we don't see that as racism. That is this like deep rooted. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and again, nobody means to. Um, and you can use that as wisdom, not being alone. I wouldn't be alone in a car with a guy, anyways. But right, especially under right. eighteen. But but all that being said, it's not even about. I'll just be shoot, like shoot straight. It's not about the legalistic part. It's about the heart. That that for me is a awakening of something still needs to shift. You can have a good heart. You can be for it, but you've got to uproot that and come face to face with it. Um, and so I don't. I, no
1: i think the most powerful thing you you said here is the acknowledgement i think with this stuff justice is really going to start as fairness and the pe- people everywhere looking at some of those thoughts that we had that we don't necessarily speak on and the thing i would say with like being afraid with large groups of men or black men that are tall um the problem with being afraid is I don't, I don't, I never try to discredit feelings, right? Because I feel like emotions are alarm systems. They're yeah. there to tell us something's wrong until we face it, right? Like it's, it's our measuring tool. Yep. So yeah, sometimes yeah. you may be in danger. So I never want to discredit, yep. you know, feelings. However, it's the problem is when that translates into boardrooms when there's no danger. Right. Then when that translates to reading resumes and you see Juwan and, uh, Uh, I don't even know a white guy's name. I'm sorry, Brock, I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Ben. You see a
1: Juwan and Ben, and you're going with Ben because you're scared of Juwan. The problem is that feeling translates to every sphere of your world, and you are placing that fear in decisions. That's what I would say when I'm saying alarm to that, because you have to use wisdom. Um, I worked in the inner city for years, and I loved the work I did. I worked for um, a youth center that for children who were abandoned. I did intake, and casework management and for children that were abused and it was very uh it was filled with like kids so we, it was a shelter and they lived there and at first it's on the south side of Chicago I was afraid my parents were like girl you're going out there you from the burbs you super you know what I'm saying you are like wet behind the ears you're naive watch your back when you're going into work and <laughs> your stuff your
0: saying that too
1: yeah, so it's it's a fear factor yeah. for everybody, right? right? But I have a responsibility. I choose. I chose to say this could be scary, but I'm not going to judge a book by its cover. Right. And when right. I got in there, them kids talked about me. They were hilarious. Where are you from? Why are you talk like that? Mm-hmm. Like, what, 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 what are you talking about? Where I'm from? Right. From here, you know. I'm from Chicago, baby. <laughs> yeah. You know. So I had to prove myself. <laughs> no, you're not. No, I'm not. But, <laughs> but I had to prove myself and make an impact yeah. because I knew even though it was uncomfortable. I can't sign out because it's uncomfortable right that would be to me that's racism right it's that signing out like ooh, it's too much right i back that thing
0: up well and it's so much of the bystander effect which I would love for us to talk about because I that's white awesome. people like you got to listen to this because I was subjected to it and I watched the Ahmaud Arbery case go down and like these are really raw honest feelings and so I'm sure I'll get some flack for it but I watched it go down and I'm like well a lot of white people are talking about it it doesn't need me they don't need yeah. me. And even so much so, this is really ugly. I like hate that this is coming out. But I'll be honest, like, so much so that I'm like, I mean, but I don't know the full story, you know? And that is the line that keeps white people in their white lane. But I'm I waiting till all the
1: evidence comes out.
0: Yeah, I want to see everything first. And, what was his rap sheet? Right. Like, what's, what was the real story behind it? This is like the, uh, I don't even know what to call this, but this is like our kryptonite. Because we want all the facts. Everybody wants the facts. Of course you want the facts. But having the facts doesn't change the fact that there's still something wrong. You know, and watching the Ahmaud Arbery case go down, for me, I was like, oh, it doesn't need my voice. And then, um, obviously, last week, I finally spoke up. And I just keep wondering, how many leaders are out there that they're just not saying anything? And you see it, and you know it, but you're like, ah, it doesn't. There's enough people talking about it. And I don't know the full story. Um, Yeah. I think that
1: that's a real question of um, responsibility. I think that, you know, as an attorney, I love contractual things. Um, And I think that people feel like they aren't, they aren't a part. It's like not their job. So the bystander effect is, it's kind of like when you see a car accident, right? And it's like a whole bunch of people watching it. But you're thinking everybody's calling and no one calls, right? Mm -hmm. This is an actual thing. So it's recognizing. I'm I'm a big proponent of self-awareness. It's recognizing that I have a voice. I have a stage. I have a platform. And my silence not only speaks, but my silence perpetuates the injustice. Because you have a responsibility to educate the people that you are called to, right? So yeah. if you are choosing to bystander, oh, it's enough white people out there doing thing, you know, they're getting it in. I'm going to keep my members and stay right. safe in my bubble. You're actually perpetuating because right. you don't know what kind of races live in your, your audience. Yeah, and until literally. you offend their minds with some knowledge and some information, they can never change. Yeah. If they go untouched and unscathed, then what's going to happen, right? right? Like It's like a kid riding a bike. If they never fall down, they're never going to. You know, we all know you're going to fall. right? Now. right. It's right. going to hurt. Yep. Let it hurt. You know yep. what I'm saying? Sit there in that pain. So... It's really taking ownership of the role that you play in your circles. Yeah. And
0: I think even one thing that you really uh, just kind of spoken to me is it's okay if people walk away. And Absolutely. that is really a hard pill for us to swallow. So I lived in the South for six years and I would say 45% of my, um, the people that listen to my podcast or anything, um, about 45% are between the ages of 18 and 35 and live in the South or what we would call a hot state. Um, And for me, coming out last week, I'm like, I have to get in my head that I've gotta be ready to respond for why I'm deciding to take the position I am. And um, I want us to touch on two things specifically. Um, I want us to touch on All Lives Matter because it's something that I am not willing to type out. I just, I don't have time for this. Um, And I, I actually, if somebody comments that, I have to like figure out a craft or something to come up with it because I read it and I'm like, I want to respond, but I actually don't have time to respond right now because there's other things that are more precedent right now because you're not getting it. That sounds so harsh. I'm so but like, it's true. And you know, I, I know we've talked about this. I would love for you to hear, to hear your thoughts on how it feels when you hear that, but it's like one house being on fire and us spraying down the whole neighborhood as the fire department. And to take it a step further, the fire department is the one that calls the fire. You know what I mean? like. And so we're, we're trying to blanket this with All Lives Matter. Of course, All Lives Matter, but we're not talking about All Lives Matter. We're talking about Black Lives mattering. And so can you tell us, like, how does that feel?
1: Yeah, it's pretty messed up. Uh, <laughs> uh, when I see it on my timeline, I'm like, all right, thank you. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I won't block you because I feel like you still need to hear me, so I'll unfollow you. I'm gonna unfollow. Yeah, because it's traumatic, right? Yeah. You're basically saying, uh, we appreciate your pain, but we're all important. Right. And it's it's actually taking a stance on the side of the oppression. Mm-hmm. Honestly. It's on it's 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 saying that, you know what, you you're hurting, but you know, I've had pain as well. But my pain it's actually put it like this okay in court right you know beyond a reasonable doubt and what we're looking at when people say all lives matter is they're ignoring the evidence
0: yeah that's
1: like a jury uh coming up with a verdict despite the evidence of a a mob robbery Mm -hmm. george floyd we can go back decades of a tons of people that have been killed by brutality and racism and it's looking at all that understanding the statistics of how many black men are unemployed that are qualified and even the unemployment rate of our, our our body of people in our community even uh the systematic racism with redlining and how they draw the lines for where kids go to school all that it's looking yeah. at all that yeah. And saying, yeah we get it but everybody right so you're ignoring the facts yep so now you're telling me not only are you um actually negating your statement with that statement it's like yeah. But, like, what? Yeah. It, so but for us, it's like a sign that you're racist. Like, yeah, that, like, exactly.
0: Yeah. It's like you don't care. And um, so obviously we were together last night at the Zion gathering, and the Zion Police Department, um, their chief of police, I, I shared it. I don't know if you read it, but like he came out I with mean. a statement, and he said, "I'm gonna wait. Let me pull it up specifically." You haven't been
1: on social media yet today.
0: I don't want to. I know it's a lot. I'm actually having to delete Facebook off of my thing all the time. Yeah. Um, I just will spend so much time on it. But this is what, I'll just read the end of this because it's so powerful. He said, I was reflecting on the phrase Black Lives Matter the other day. I thought of the three children that are now adults, which my wife and I have raised. As young children, there were times when one child would feel slighted, neglected, or unloved. Our response as parents was not to tell them that we loved all of our children, but to tell them individually that we loved them. At the sound of at the risk of sounding over paternalistic there's a segment in america that is hurting and wondering if they're loved and valued those americans don't need to hear all lives matter they know that what they need to hear especially now is black lives matter they need to hear that from us they not to, they need to hear that from me that was a police sh- and so like yeah. but what a good way to put it you know what it I mean? is
1: absolutely absolutely it, yeah i tasting words <laughs> It's it's vital. It's vital that we speak and then we also act.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm
1: very moved by the statements, and I just pray. My prayer has been, God let it be sustainable.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Let this impact. Let this global uproar, you know, sustain that,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: we all start taking part of making that unloved child feel loved. Yeah, and finding find not just taking a part, not a apathetic role, but an active role. Getting up and you know being a verb. You know, doing something. Right, doing it. Yeah, that's, that's been my career, honestly. So as
0: we, um, I think we're a, about an hour right now. So as we wrap up, let's, um, can we talk about maybe three things that white people can do um, outside of educating ourselves? I think that since it's going, you know, since things are going for $60 on Amazon, we're in the right direction. We are taking a step in the right direction. When a book on white fragility is $65, that means something shook in America and we flipped the switch, as TikTok would say. um, Which I think is great. But I would love just a couple thoughts on how do we continue the conversation? Um, How do we continue to take strides when this calms down? Because it will. Mm -hmm. What does that look like afterwards?
1: Yeah. And I think that's a lot of the discussion of leadership um, across the world. And even on my page, uh, people are trying to figure out what can we do next. And beyond education and self-awareness and accountability, um, I think it's going to be now like, where are we supporting? I think that systematically we need to be able to shift. So, there are different companies that have stood on certain sides, made a certain stance. So, I think the next impact is going to be pushing like finance, because even as the Bible says, where your treasure lies, your heart, you know, something like that. So, where do you put your money? Where are you sowing your seed? Who are you supporting financially? Because You know, money is what rules the world, right? Right. So it's like, where are we driving our finances that can kind of pull support and power from behind some of these more racist institutions and putting our money towards where it really matters Mm -hmm. Um, and people who are in power. So even myself, I'm starting to research what kind of community boards can I get on to have Mm -hmm. representation Um, and where I live, I don't think much representation is out but um zion i live in gurney (laughs) can you move here (laughs) yeah because i'm like mighty god um so (laughs) so it's it's like starting out to seek out things yeah um, that what we can do to kind of cause that change Mm so um you know finding places pulling i think number one will be like looking to where making the. A conscious decisions not to support certain things financially to kind of pull the power uh, right. then looking for positions of change looking for positions that your voice can actually be heard because uh, the truth of the matter some voices Uh-oh. are strong you don't need a whole bunch of loud people because that's yeah. just noise but putting your support behind something that's already moving and giving it financially, time, volunteering, whatever that may look like for you and then just finding, I would just say to everyone white and black and whatever finding something every day to make it because it's like chipping away at something, right? Yeah. You know, finding finding every day, making your mind, you know, what well, I need to do something today that can support this movement, and making a conscious decision, foundationally, that you're going to do with, you know, three sixty five, yeah. um, and that will keep this momentum
0: going. Momentum going, yeah, that's so good, cool. Thank you. Any final thoughts before we sign off today? No, we nice. got to do this again. This was good. Absolutely, we yeah. got we got to do this again. Um, yeah, maybe get questions from white people. That yes, they ask. oh yes. All right, that's a great. So white people
1: hey white people what do you think
0: white people send me your questions um yes. and we'll we'll tackle them because I one I just love you and you're oh, I love you too. you like are so brilliant and Aww, I'm so crazy. honored to learn from you as we fumble our way through learning. um and so um, <laughs> white people send us your questions Crystal yes. thank you for hanging out today oh no problem girl thank you for having me I
1: love you I look forward to it love you too all right talk to you later all right bye-bye. bye bye